Welcome to another episode of the You Can Do Hard Things, where we talk about doing hard things. We believe that everybody is equipped to be able to do hard things. And in this podcast, we hope that you find the tools, the inspiration, the motivation to go out there and do hard things. And today we have a extremely special guest, my most favorite person in the entire world. Uh, joining us, we have my beautiful, gorgeous, stunning, brilliant, amazing wife, Josie Lynn Soriano. And uh, the reason I brought her on today is because a lot of people hit us up and say, you guys should talk more about marriage. You guys should talk more about, you know, your challenges, your struggles, your wins, your losses. And uh, that's what today's about, right? Today we're going to talk about uh, the some, real, the real, we're going to get real, we're going to get raw. Stuff. Um, you know, today kind of the topic is the challenges they did not tell you about marriage. <laughs> or us, they didn't tell us. Or us, right, they didn't tell, tell us, us yes. <laughs> you know, I, I think, uh, I'm sure Josie will agree, I think uh, most of us grew up with that fairy tale story when it comes to marriage, right? That, um, uh, what's the one, Cinderella, it's kind of Cinderella story, you know, or that happily ever after, or the, 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 the men were like the knight in shiny armor, and I was gonna pick you up your feet, and we're gonna go happily ever after. Right? I think we all believe that, that marriage was the destination, and that once we got married, it was supposed to be this awesome thing, and it, and it is, but it, it, that's where the real work actually begins. Not right? in the way they portray it in the movies. Yes, right, that, yeah. That no, you slay the dragon and you're done. It's like, no, slaying the dragon is one of the many battles uh, they will really have in marriage. And, and that's what we wanna talk about today. You know, it's about the challenges. And uh, Josie's a very wise individual um, where she has a lot of wisdom when it comes to the feminine side of the marriage, um, you know, the motherly side of the marriage as well. And, and I'm very blessed that Josie has been able to challenge me in so many ways. And, and I, if anything, that's probably the first thing is find somebody who challenges you. If your partner doesn't challenge you, maybe start there. Right. I mean, I know Josie has challenged me. She's called me out on some things, but I love her for that. And although it's not fun to hear it, uh, you want someone who challenges you, right? And I know we're not talking to everybody. We're talking to people in marriage. But I also think it's wise to throw out some nuggets for people who are single too mm. because I know they're going to be listening to this. Yeah. And, you know, there are things that we've learned in marriage that had we have had that knowledge outside, before marriage, not that we would have chosen anybody else, but it we just have a, diff we have a different perspective being married. And so like John just said, choose somebody who challenges you and in the same way choose somebody who takes ownership because yes. that's something john is really good at it is i could come at him with anything i mean that's really one of your like super human strengths is i could come at you with anything and john always always is like thank you for challenging me and i take ownership for it i may not agree with it may not see it from the way you see it, but he always takes ownership. So um, for all of you single people listening to this, if you are in a season of singleness, if you're wanting to date, if you're dating right now, please heed our advice. Yeah, uh, Get connected with somebody who challenges you, who does not let you stay complacent because that's where dreams go to die and marriage. And um, really look for a quality in someone who takes ownership. They don't have a victim mentality and they listen to what you say. Yeah. And back to what you were saying, I know that we're on a roll here, but what you were saying about fairy tales is I don't know, I can't speak for the man side of this, but I do know for the female side, when we got married, um, I definitely thought that marriage was going to be a certain type of way. Mm. And I do want to say that a lot of it does have to do with the way things are portrayed in movies, the way, quote unquote, how they're supposed to be. And it's just not the way it is. So one of the best things that I've done for myself and for John in our marriage is drop expectations. Wow. So what is it we say? Have hope, right? Hope that they're going to do these things, yeah. but don't expect it. Don't be emotionally attached yes. to it. And, and that's that's a better way to say it. Yes, have expectations, right? Like, I, yes. yes, have expectations. But if your partner doesn't hit those expectations, like you just said, don't be emotionally yeah. 
charged by it. Exactly. Don't be attached to it. We both are flawed individuals. And uh, a lot of the times what happens when you get married is, um, uh, depending on how long you were dating, I mean, me, me and Josie's story is that we dated for six months, we're, we're engaged six months later, and then married nine months after that, right? So we only dated for about a year and a half before we were married. And the reality is, is that for the majority of that year and a half, Josie only saw my highlights. You know, I only I only brought up my the very best version of me. And the reality is that when you get married, you see the full person, right? You see the the ugly as well, the bad, the flaws, the weaknesses. Um, and I think it's important, like Josie said, to have those communication, uh, to establish the communication on how you deal with uh, with really the disappointments because we're flawed people. And Josie is there's going to be days where. She fills me up and makes me feel top of the world. And there's going to be days where she lets me down and vice versa, right? There's days where I'm going to let her down, right? Where I'm going to not show up as the best version of, my, version of myself. And in those moments, it's important that you have a plan of action on how to deal with it. And one of the things not to do is do not be emotionally attached to the result. Have, have an expectation of what the result should be. But if it doesn't happen, don't have an emotional response to it, right? Take more of a non-emotional response and kind of assess, okay, what went wrong? back to ownership what could i have done better right maybe what could my partner have done better and then from there just grow because the reason we're doing also this episode is the reality is is josie and i understand that we are against um some pretty big odds you know the 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 statistics say that in america about 50 percent of marriages end in divorce Right? Those are some huge odds. That means that every time someone gets married, you're literally flipping a coin. And if it's on heads, you get you get divorced eventually. If it's tails, you stay married, right? And in our generation, uh, more people <clears throat> are likely to more likely to walk away when things get hard, or maybe in our parents' generation, right, when things got hard, they were willing to work it out. Right. And, uh, you know, this whole podcast is about doing hard things and having a great marriage is hard. And Josie and I, by no means, have we made it, right? Because we will always be in this journey. But as of now, we're about two and a half years married, uh, four and a half years together. Um, and I can say confidently that our marriage is better today than when we first got married. Yeah. And what happens is most people is the way around, right? When they first get married, that's when it's awesome. The sex is good. It's exciting. But then eventually they fall into that roommate routine. Oh, yeah. And we do not subscribe to the whole wait till 11 years of marriage. That's when it starts to go downhill. Wait till the honeymoon phase is over. Like, that is a choice. That is a we choice. We don't subscribe to that choice. Yes. Um, every year... Every day, every week, every month. Yeah, that's what we're going to do is continue to get better yeah. and better and better. And it takes work. And like John said, we don't pretend to know everything. And we have only been married for two years. We're still very young. Um, but we have been dealt a pretty interesting hand. Mm -hmm. We're a blended family. Um, as you'll hear about and what we're going to get into here in a minute, we have already been through challenges in our marriage that I really feel like qualify us to be able to speak into, yeah. you know, marriages, mm -hmm. especially young marriages. So, so let's get into the first one, Joe. Um, th this one's going to be like just off the, off the, off the wall, just a pretty raw one. One that I feel most people aren't talking about. And that is the topic on pornography. Crickets. Porno yeah, crickets. <laughs> Pornography robs marriages of so much. Uh, it robbed me of so much. It robbed Josie um, of so much. And the reality is, is that when we first got married, I was still looking at porn, right? The first few months that we were married, it was still a struggle and a challenge uh, that I had, right? So, and it was something that we had to overcome. It was something that we had to work through. I remember the first time I opened up to Josie about my porn. And it's something that I think we will always be working through. Um, I remember it was it was very difficult for me to get to a point where I'm comfortable talking about it and to get to a point where I'm like, cool, I feel like I can win this battle. And again, it's going to be an, an, an everyday journey. So um, I, I think what'll be interesting is to first talk about what porn mean, what porn does to a man and then what porn does to a, uh, um, a woman, right? So I know for me, it's like porn made it seem where sex was just physical, right? It, it created this sense of um, selfishness in the relationship where it was all about me, 
right? Where it was only about me and not about Josie. And it was it was wired in me so deep because I was looking at porn or I started looking at porn when I was 12 years old, right? 12 years old was my first export, exposure to pornography. And for, I don't know, a good 12, 14 years, I believed that it was okay, that there was nothing wrong, that that's what guys just did. Right? And there are, I would venture to say, John, that that's what most people think. And when they hear this episode, that's still what they're going to think. Maybe they'll be changed after they hear it. Yeah, and most, and most exactly. Most, there's women that's like, oh, I don't care if a man looks so porn. But the reality is, is that it does change the the wiring in a man's brain. It yes. does. It totally does. And that we can go into so many components of it. But some off the bat is, uh, off the bat is it, number one, it, it makes you selfish in nature. It, it does make you selfish sexually, right? To where uh, sexual satisfaction is only about me, 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 me. And that's going to show up in the bedroom. To where now it's because you've been conditioned to seek self-pleasure for so long that you would do that in the bedroom. It also changes how you view women, right? You don't view women necessarily as this beautiful creature that is meant to be protected and provided for. You view women more in a, in a sexual way. And there's nothing wrong with looking at a woman and thinking she's beautiful. But right when you start lusting, when you start looking at the features and, and you know going down that route, that's where it can get messy. And, and I do believe that when adultery happens, when cheating happens, uh, it's probably because the man in some component was looking up pornography and wasn't dialed in with his wife. Because it, it also makes it to where I'm more attracted to a fantasy of being with another woman than a fantasy of being with my own wife, right? So um, I know for a man, right, those are just some of the components that it changes. I mean, what would you say for like, what does it do for on the woman's side? So I, because there are also women that look at porn. You know, so I'm speaking from a perspective of a woman who does not look at porn. And for me, what it does is, and I think I've had this revelation more now that I've gotten older, more wise. Um, I look at it like it exploits women. Mm. Because when I think of porn, I think about somebody's daughter. I think about, does the woman even want to be there? Most women here in pornography are addicted to drugs because you have to be addicted to drugs. You have to take some type of numbing substance to be able to do that kind of work most of the time. That's not a blanket statement. Um, like you said, it's this is not a blanket statement, but most porn is male-centric. What does that mean? The male is the center of attention. It's all about the male. It's all about the male climax. And the you know, it's not about the woman. And like you said, if you have somebody like you who've been watching porn since they're 12, 12 years old, conditioned, it's all about the man, what's going to happen when he gets in a marriage and it's all about him? Well, that that's not going to work long term. And especially if you're with somebody like me who's going to speak up and be like, this doesn't work for me. Right. Um, so I think it, like you said, yeah, it definitely, it, it makes it hard on the woman when she is, it, it does instill selfishness, I think, in the man. Um, and that's not how marriage was designed to, to work. It's very much about both the man and the woman. And I think it also puts an unrealistic expectation on women on how they need to perform in the bedroom. Because if a man is watching pornography and let's say he's watching porn, man and woman, these are actors and actresses and they're acting. Right. And so I feel like it can cause an unrealistic expectation for what men expect out of women in the bedroom. Well, I saw her do that in porn. Why aren't right. you doing that now? So, you know, I, I think it can be, it's, yeah, it's damaging for, for both the man and the woman, even if the woman doesn't watch it, it's, yeah. it's damaging. So, um, and yeah, and then the woman thinks that she has to be a certain way, do certain things, and it makes sex more of a, and which kind of is the next topic, right? That the challenge is sex. Um, I think what porn does is it creates this false identity, as you can say, that sex is only physical, right? That's only about the physical. It's only about the orgasm, right? It's only about pleasure. And something that I learned from you is that sex is actually much more than that, or it, it can be more than that, right? That it, sex is actually more of a spiritual act than it is a physical one, right? That's what the Bible says, that when you have sex, the two become one, 
right? Because, you know, we believe that our true essence is spirit, right? That we are spiritual beings experiencing life in a physical body. And that when you engage in something sexual, our spirits are intertwined, right? That's why the Bible talks about soul ties and all that. And, you know, when you have sex, you create soul ties with the people. And that's a whole nother topic in itself. But I learned, you know, she, Josie taught me that, you know, sex can also be a spiritual thing. And I feel that our sex life today is a whole lot better than, you know, in our first year of marriage, right? Because I've learned, right, that what sex really means in a marriage. And I've had to undo the wiring of it's only about me. It's only about me. It's only about me getting turned on. It's only about me, 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 me. And, and what happens, I think, is a lot of times the men get, you know, sat sexually satisfied, but then the women are kind of like, I'm not really getting what I want, right? And that's not just in the physical sense, but like maybe a woman doesn't feel a sense of connection with her partner when they're or with her husband when they're having sex, right? So, so that's another thing too. Like, let's talk about sex. You know, that's a topic that it's a little taboo. People don't want to talk about it. But I think understanding what sex really is, right? And like I said, like I would define it as it's more of a spiritual act than a physical totally one. Spiritual. Yeah, it's more like the mind and the spirit. It's like it's the body, the mind, and the spirit becoming one, connecting with one another. You know, and like uh, when that happens, I mean, if you haven't experienced this, I'm telling you, like I know we're getting real and raw here. But the climax that you experience is so much better. It is so much better when you feel the sense of connection, real connection. And that's how it's supposed to be. Right? To where like, wow, I care for this person. I love this person. Like, yes, I want to see them experience this euphoria, right? And it's, 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 it's an exchange of I'm serving you, you're serving me. And, you know, we're just like passionate about each other. And again, when you get there, and it took me a while to get there. Josie was kind of already good at it. Uh, cause she's just naturally self, like she just serves naturally. It just isn't her <laughs> DNA. I came into the relationship a little kind of selfish. Right. And I just want to pause right there because I know like if the, for the women listening to this, it can be a really uncomfortable situation or conversation to have with your partner of like, Hey, listen, what you're doing in the bedroom doesn't work for me, but the only person who's going to be able to write your story in the bedroom is you and your husband. So you have to speak up. You have sex conversations can get really awkward. Very. They can get like we have had some <clears throat> awkward conversations more than once. Yeah. We've had the same conversation multiple times yeah. about the same topic. And that's another thing is if you're not getting what you want, you have to ask for it and you have to ask for it persistently because this is who you're going to be with hopefully for the rest of your life. Yeah. And life's too short to have bad sex. So it's too short, yeah. <laughs> well, and when you have bad sex, right? I mean, all these things that they're not addressed, right? All these things we're talking about, they're not addressed, eventually potentially leads to cheating, which can lead to divorce, right? Or, or it doesn't have to lead to cheating. It can just lead to divorce, right? Because they're like, those people that say, oh, we fell out of love, you know, we just blah, blah. No, it's you stop doing the things, right? Or you stop learning how to be a better partner. You know, I remember I read this great book called She Comes First, C-U-M-S, right? Oh, it's, it's a great book, she, she Comes First. And, you know, I really learned in there how uh, one of the key things of the book for a man, it says that foreplay is not foreplay, foreplay is core play, you know, which it was a radical shift for me just understanding that foreplay is not just this thing you do in the beginning, it's everything, right? And when we think of foreplay, you know, we think of, I won't even say, we know what we think of, but... um foreplay can also be like hey i send you a text message like earlier in the day to plant that seed right or like before i leave we just passionately make out to again plant the seed what i've learned as a man is that sex is more of a mind thing for josie and where sex is can be more of a physical thing for me totally and that's right? what a lot of men do not understand which is why we're talking about this because we didn't understand this or you didn't understand this. And there's, I mean, I didn't understand this, but a lot of guys don't understand that when they just want to approach their wife all willy nilly right there on the spot and she doesn't want to give in to him, why that is. And it's mm -hmm. because like you said, women want to be romanced all day long throughout the day yesterday right. and build it up. Right. Don't just come in hot. That's not how women work. Women are like an oven. We need to, Yeah. we need to, take our time we need to we need you to take your time mm -hmm. and that's a really good point that and what's made. interesting is that i desire the latter right like i remember there's times where, where josie just pounces on me i know again i know we're getting raw 
but she just does, you know, and I think I'm, I can speak for most men, men like that spontaneousness, like men, that's why men, they can do it like on the spot, right? Where women, yes, they need to be romance, right? So it's like understanding each other, right? Like Josie knows that cool. I like it actually when it's just on the spot. I like it when we're just watching a movie and then out of nowhere, it just flips, turns on. And then she's like making out with me. And I'm like, yes, I love this, right? Now, if I did that to Josie, I'm not saying she wouldn't like it, oh, right? I love it, but it's, it's it's that's just not how women are wired. Yeah, so it's not like women for them. It's it's a slower process, right? And that's why women women are more like an oven. Men yeah. are more like a microwave. Exactly, and that's know? and that's <laughs> our goal is to, you know, for you to walk for listen this podcast and walk away with one nugget, understanding yourself or understanding your partner better, because yes. these are the things that we have come across that have just made a huge impact yeah. in our marriage. Yeah, because I mean, all of us strive, we know we, we want to be better uh, in a year financially than what we are today, right? We want to be better maybe physically in a year than we are today, right? We talk about like, these are things that the world talks about, but no one's talking about is your sex life better today than it was a year ago? And it's actually the most people, they're wired into thinking it's the other way around, you know, like men believe like, oh, I'm not going to get married because why would I get, you know, attached to one girl? And what I've realized is that I'm actually having way better sex today as a married man than when I was single, right? I mean, I, I, I am. And it's because I understood how it works because, you know, also, you know, Josie and I were big in our faith, right? We understand that sex was a creation by God and God wanted us to experience this euphoria, right? Which I believe is actually the closest thing we get to heaven currently on, on this earth, right? That feeling of, of sex. And so we, because we believe that it's created by God, he's the best one to go to, to figure out how to best utilize it because it's a, it's a tool that he made, right? And then, you know, there's a verse biblically that says, you know, husband, uh, you know, your, uh, your body belong, I'm butchering here, but some of the lines of like husbands, your wife belongs, I'm sorry, your, your body belongs to your wife and then wives, your body belongs to your man. In other, in other words, what it's saying is that we have to understand that it's my responsibility to understand how she feels pleasure. And then it's her responsibility to understand how I feel. And if we both have this synergistic energy that we we get that then it's it's awesome and i want to dip back into the porn conversation i know we're talking about (laughs) sex like john just said your husband's body is yours and your body is your husband's and when a man or woman however watches porn that's impacting your spouse and you don't actually get to watch porn because that's not just your body same you know what i mean like if you drink it's going to impact your spouse Mm. if you yeah. have sex or if you watch porn it's going to impact your spouse if you work out or don't work out it's going to impact your spouse and so um you know i hear people i, I i've had conversations with people who say well i don't care if my husband watches porn i'm not insecure and it's nothing to do with being insecure it's practicing the discipline because watching pornography is no different watching pornography and being addicted to porn is no different than being addicted to alcohol there is going to be some repercussions somewhere and um, I just want to say this because I feel like it needs to be said, but women who don't want their men to watch porn are not insecure. We're actually so secure that we know who we are. <laughs> talk about it. We know who we are and we know what we will and we will not stand for. And if that's, you know, what you want to do in your marriage, that's fine. But for me, I feel like, like we said, our marriage has gotten 100, oh, done a 180 since not having porn in our marriage. Right. And... Um, yeah. And again, and, you know, to kind of wrap even that up, just know it's okay if you struggle with it, right? Um, it's very hard to put it out there in the open. Like I said, when, you know, when Josie and I went through that in our dating season, it was very hard. I guess I remember the first time it was on the phone, you know, I opened up and it was a very ugly fight, you know? And, uh, and I remember a few times, a month, a couple months after that, I, you know, you just had an intuition and a feeling and I came clean and we had to walk through that. Right. And it's, 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 it will always, I mean, it's definitely easier now. And like for me, right. Like my journey has been that I've been free for porn for a very long time, for a few years now. And I'm very happy though, that I was open with Josie about it and that we've gone to a place that now we can even talk about it. Right. Like even for us, just top talking on this subject is a, a win for us. Cause there was once upon a time where talking about it made both of us feel uncomfortable. 
you know, it triggered certain parts in her and it made me feel awkward because, again, it's not something guys talk about, uh, which kind of leads us to like the next point, which is, you know, one of the challenges is communication. You know, we we believe that in order to have a great marriage, you have to set healthy boundaries and you do that by communicating your needs to your partner. Like you the know? queen of boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, you know, we, we have a philosophy in our relationship that goes that, hey, it is our responsibility to communicate our needs. You know, and it is our responsibility to be understood, you know. So if I need something from Josie, it is my responsibility to make sure that she understands whatever it is I need to understand, right? If for some reason she doesn't understand it, then I need to re-clarify. It's right? always your responsibility to make sure your communication lands with the other person. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's good because you need to have communication. You know, uh, one of the challenges I had was I was afraid to speak my mind when we first got married. When we first got married, I had this mindset that I was like walking on eggshells because I'm like, well, I don't want to say what I really feel because what if I piss Josie off? Yeah. What if I upset her? What if, you know, uh, it creates this chain. And then I had to come to a place where I'm like, you know what? I have to accept whatever may come if, if for me to communicate what I need. So if I'm feeling some type of way, if Josie did something that maybe upset me or whatever, and I just feel like I need to get it out because what happens when you communicate in, in any relationship, you just feel better, right? You don't want to harbor resentment in you. You don't want to harbor some negative thought. You just want to get out in the open. And right? how cool is it to have a marriage that, okay, so let's say, John, you have you and your boys, right? What makes your relationship with your boys, the bromance, so cool. Well, you can tell each other anything. Mm -hmm. So that is really the goal. And it takes time and practice to mm -hmm. have that in marriage because it is a different dynamic. Yeah. But like you said, being able to create that relationship where you can say whatever you want to say unapologetically, yeah. which I personally think I'm really good at. And you are. And I've discovered that a lot of women are like for them, it comes more natural where I want to help men is in reclaiming their voice and their authority in their relationship because um, there's actually, I believe this for a long time, you and I have never talked about this and I would love to gather your thoughts on it, but there's a saying that goes, happy wife, happy life. And for a long time, I believed that. And just recently I heard someone talk about how that is one of the biggest lies in marriage. Because what that is saying is that it is all about the wife. Nice. And what that does is that it undermines the man. And, and not that it's, of course, yes, it's about Josie, but it's about both of us, right? It's not only about her, it's also about me. Because if I only put her first and everything and I suppress myself, what that does is just, it creates resentment. And I, and I think most men, they're afraid sometimes to speak up. They're like, well, you know, happy wife, happy life. Okay, well, is that really happy? Is that really a happy life? If only your wife is happy and you're not happy, is that really a, a, a happy life? Well, that's where the stigma comes in of marriage sucks. Yeah. Because men feel like they're trapped. Men, men feel trapped. Men feel like, oh, my, my days yeah. of freedom are over. And I feel more free today than than wherever, you know? Like, I remember um, I, when I, I recently I got into poker and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy the game. I think it's a fun game. And I remember when I first started to play, I felt like I had to, I had to ask permission to play, right? Because, oh, happy wife, happy life. Um, but... I realized that I'm like, no, if I, if I feel like that this upsets Josie and I'm not doing it, I'm, I'm suppressing something that I enjoy to do. Right. And I think most men, sometimes they, they have some hobby they want to do, whether it's surf or they want to go have a night out with the boys and they're afraid to speak or not speak up, but just like express, communicate, Hey, this is a need that I have. And if for some reason you're not okay with it, okay, let's talk through it. Yeah. It's not asking for, for, for permission. It's and let's just pause right there. Going back to happy wife, happy life. You hit the nail on the head when you said that's the man's way of saying, as long as she's happy, like she, you know, she, I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll cower down. I'll put my emotions on the back burner. I'll put what I want on the back burner mm -hmm. as long as she's happy because I do not have the ass about me to be able to handle her emotions. Yes. So if you find yourself saying that as a man, um, you're really going to want to lean in because you want to check your masculinity mm. and how you're showing up in your marriage. Because if you say happy wife, happy life, that means your wife comes first. That means she is the end all be all. And it's all about what makes her happy. You are giving her the, the, the role of the man, which means she's going to act more masculine, which is bitchy, naggy. She's not going to respect you because she's having to step into a role that God does not design her to step into, mm. which is the role of the man. So you need to reclaim your masculinity. It's not happy wife, happy life. It's happy us. Yes. And 
once you learn, and I'm not saying this because I'm a man, I'm saying it because I've watched you, uh, us, once you're able to step into your masculine, you will watch your woman relax into her feminine, be more, uh, what is it? H- how would you, how would you describe the feminine energy? It's just seductive. It's calm. It's yeah. Playful. It's when she's in that almost like when she's like wisdom, almost when she's had like half a glass of wine and she's just like, ha ha ha. Like that's, that's what I think of when I think of feminine energy. And so many times women cannot relax into their feminine because their man is not stepping up into his masculine. And so this is a conversation that me and John like to talk a lot about. Um, because we, live in a freaking world where it's women, 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 and they need to be the man and they need to provide and they need to, and that it's hard for a woman to even know what feminine is when she's in a masculine role. Right. And it's hard for men to know what masculine is when he's being. Yeah. And it's treated good. the way he's being treated and in it's, today's it's world. Im- and I think it's important for us to, important uh, for us to know what masculine energy is. And what feminine energy is, and both of us have have both of that, right? I have both masculine and feminine energy, right? Because because that's an energy; it's not a gender, right? Same same with Josie. And there are moments where Josie needs to step into her masculine, right? Like for example, if I'm traveling for work and she's raising our two sons, right? Uh, there might be a moment where she needs to step up into the masculine role to control our two children, right? And then, for example, when I come home, I need to be aware that okay, maybe Josie's in her masculine. So I can't just expect her to like, you know, I come home and she's all like feminine because she's been in, ma- in masculine energy for maybe yeah, two, three days. Yeah, I've been in days. take control, make shit happen mode all day. Yeah. So then I need to have the understanding of, okay, cool. She's in masculine mode. I need to then come in and maybe take some of that weight off her little by little, right? So that and give her like a day or so to reset, to kind of come back to that feminine energy because Josie, and I would say most women, if not all women... They want to be in their feminine energy, right? And men, same with men, right? Men want to be in their masculine energy, right? I think men, we are wired to be hunters. We're wired to be providers, right? We're wired to, that's why, you know, genetically we are biologically stronger than women, right? Because that's what we were wired. That's how our creator made us, right? To be protector of the woman. That's not to say that the woman can protect herself. Of course she can. If it came down to it, Josie would 1,000% be able to protect herself, right? But I still have to also understand that it is my role to create that overall in our relationship. So there's this great book called uh, The Masculine in Relationship. I would recommend all men to read that book. It just talks about understanding masculine and feminine energy and knowing what, what women crave. Like, for example, you know, would you say that you crave security from me? Yes. Would you say you crave the ability for me to be able to handle your emotions, yes. right? Like wh- that's what masculine energy is, right? It's, it's a masculine energy creates security. And that's of course, physical security. That's financial security. That's emotional security. You know, also a masculine energy can handle her emotions, right? So meaning when she's stressed out, I need to be able to handle that. And I let's, can't get, take it let's give the guys a practical statement that you have used when I get upset or I have big emotions. And that is, and guys, you can use this. Watch it, watch your woman shift when you get home. You've said, I can handle your emotions. Mm. Like, and most of the time, that's just what a woman, it's kind of confusing at first because you're like, what? But no, I can handle your emotions. Like whatever you're about to throw at me, crazy woman, I can <laughs> handle you. Yeah. Not let me cower down and let me get reactive because that is actually what you used to do, which everybody does that. Most people are reactive. Most people are in a reactive state. They're not in a proactive state. That is one thing John used to do when we got married, like any man probably does when he first gets married is I would have a big emotion and John, instead of just receiving it, listening to it, I'm not saying get beat up by it. I'm not saying be disrespected. But instead of just receiving it and listening it and taking the blow, for lack of a better term, he would just react. And then that's when argument starts, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And when both of us are seeing red, nothing's going to come out of it. Right. And the masculine energy is an individual who can handle, right, if she's emotional or she's stressed out for whatever reason, right, it's something that upset her, right, to be able to kind of be more neutral, right, just to 
hey, cool, I'm gonna hear you out. I'm gonna create a space where you can vent. I'm gonna create a space where you can say what you wanna say and uh, I'm not gonna take it personal, even though it's hard Ooh, not that's to. That's a big one, not taking things personal. It's, and that's hard. Oh my gosh. It's very hard yeah, to not hard. take it personal because yeah, we're emotional creatures. And you know, you said something about like, yes, I will get uh, reactive. And that's because all humans were wired for self-preservation, right? When we see a threat, we automatically are like, cool, I got to defend myself, right? Survival of the fittest, you know? And so our minds interpret an argument the same way, right? We see it as a threat. We see it as, hey, someone's coming at me. Sure, they're not coming at me with like a knife or or, uh, yeah. or teeth or whatever, but they're coming at me. So naturally you wanna, and you need to condition your mind to be like, no, I'm not gonna get reactive. I'm gonna create a space where I can listen, right? where I can get really good at asking the right questions and to understand why she's feeling the way she's feeling. And I've realized that when I do that, usually I, I don't gotta do anything else. The problem kind of works itself out. And that's another myth too that we men believe is that we have to fix everything. Oh yeah. And our women is not looking for us all the time to fix everything. I remember when we would fight, I, in my mind I'll be like, okay, it is my responsibility to fix this. I have to fix it. And a lot of the times what you're wanting from me is just to listen. To listen. I mean, if there's anything that I've learned from, you know, coaching is be more available to listen than you are to speak. Mm. And um, you're right. Most of the time, if somebody is upset, they just want to be heard. They just want, when we say create space, if you can literally imagine opening up a space where somebody's words can just flow and land, that is most of the time what your partner is wanting. Mm. And something really good that you know, we, we do is if John, you know, has something he needs to say, I'll say, are you looking for feedback or you just, are you just wanting me to listen to you? Wow. Because a lot of times we respond when we don't need, we no the other person's not looking for a response. They're not looking for your advice or your yeah. wisdom. They're just looking for just, hey, I just, I just need to get this off my chest. I actually don't want you to say anything. Mm -hmm. I don't need to hear you. Mm -hmm. I just need a safe space where I can say what I need to say. Yeah, and in case you guys missed it, that's a great practical thing to do in a relationship is like to ask, before you give feedback, kind of in a way, ask for permission. Be like, hey, um, cool, you're telling me this. Do you do? You, are you looking for me to give you feedback or just just listen? Yeah. And I, I know for men, a lot of times, Joe's is just looking for me to listen, but and but listen intently, right? And listen with uh, genuine ears. You know, I, I had a friend call me the other day and Josie was with me and his his opening statement was, hey, are you open for feedback right now? And I love that. Oh, I thought yeah. that was cool. Instead of him right away giving me feedback about whatever and 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 because then because if he doesn't do that, what happens is we can interpret it as they're coming at me. And although he's not right, it's just again, it's just we, we that's how we interpret it. But if he says, hey, are you open for feedback? And I say yes. I now no longer have the right to get upset because I just gave him permission to give me feedback. Same thing in a relationship, right? If I see something in Josie, right, instead of just coming at her right away, I, I can kind of start with like, hey, babe, um, you know, are you open to some feedback right and now? And if I say no? Then I have to respect that and be patient because, and maybe wait for another opportunity. Right, because how much sense does it make if John um, throws his socks in the living room floor every day? LOL. All men do that. <laughs> They really do. Even our even our boys do it. Um, Want to come at him and say something, which, by the way, does not bother me at all. It really doesn't. Um, but let's say John's had a really hard day at work. John's just been on 10 phone calls and John's got a lot going on. And he's just not in a space where he wants to talk about him throwing his socks on the floor. But I don't ask him. You know, that that could start an argument that could or make him make you feel some type of way. So, you know, like we said, a good practical way is, hey, John, are you open to receiving feedback about something that's kind of frustrating me? Right. Yeah, I am. I'm open. Let's hear it. Or no, actually, I, I, I'm not right now. Can we talk about it in a little bit? Right. This is a really good way to communicate. Yeah, and we yeah because if, if I'm already stressed out of my mind, if I'm already seeing red, right, I've already have cortisol in my blood and then she gives me some starts venting to me about something's going on, I'm going to naturally interpret that as she's coming off with the B word, right? She's being the C word, you know, and, and, and she's not. And when not. he says C word, he means crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and she's not, right? I mean, she's not. It's just that, you know, we just have to understand the, the psychology of the brain, you know, that it is very difficult to receive feedback about you when you're already in a stress environment. So when she says that, it's an opportunity for me to say, um, can you give me five minutes? Give me five minutes to decompress. You know, hey, I just got off this. Can you give me five minutes just to, or 10 minutes, right? Going back to communication, communicate your needs and respect also those needs. Um, when me and Josie argue, 
I'm the individual that I want to resolve it right then and then, right? I want to talk about it. Josie's the kind of person that she needs time, right? And usually in a relationship, you'll find that you're one or the other. Yep. And I had to come to a place where it was okay to take a 30-minute break, a one-hour break, sometimes a whole day break from each other. And to where if we're fighting, I have to be okay with letting her process. And I, to this day, I don't like it. Right to this day, I still want to get my way, and but then there's times where we're fighting, and Josie's like, "John, I need, I, I, I can't talk to you right now, and I have to be okay with saying okay, even though I don't want to." And for those of you couples who have crazy arguments, we we do our arguments. Trust me, our arguments get very, very, very. <laughs> they get they get wild. Right? We're a passionate couple. One time, let's just say a frying frying pan was thrown. Okay? <laughs> And it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> um, for those of you couples who, you know, you find yourself getting in really nasty arguments, this is um, this was revolutionary to our marriage. Is being able to figure out your the way you process. I am a slow processor. I need to chew on it. I need to think about it. I need to spit it out and put it back in my mouth and go oh and mull it over. John, quick processor. He wants to get to it right now. He doesn't want to drag this out all day. He wants to be done in an hour and then go on a date night later. For me, I can't even think about going on a date with him. I'm so you know etc. So knowing how you process is good. And learning how to respect your spouses the way they process is good. This took me and John a while because John would want to, like he said, he wants to resolve it right now. I'm a very in a very activated state. I am pissed off. I do not want to talk about it. When you're in an activated state, you're not going to get anything resolved. So if you do find yourself getting in nasty arguments, um, one of you guys is, are going to have to respect the other. And two people can't be seen right. Yeah. And I would challenge the men to say for you to step up yeah. and be that person, yeah. right? That if your wife's not doing it, like you need to step up. Well, no, not if, like you need to be the one. I do believe it is on the men to really lead from front, lead from the front in the, in the marriage and do what is hard to do. Remember, this whole thing's about you can do hard things. It is hard to be the one that takes the cool, calm, and collective approach when you you feel like you're being attacked, right? It's hard to, you know, bite your tongue a little bit in that moment and be like, you know what, my wife's seeing red right now, you know, and have the awareness of, okay, what could possibly be going on in her world that's causing her to act this way and just kind of have sympathy for her. Um, so a question I wanna ask you, babe, is, you know, what kind of advice would you give um, to the females out there that are, uh, let's say, you know, cool, in a, in a marriage where they feel that it's not as thriving as it could be, you know, where they feel like they're digressing, where they feel like maybe their marriage is worse today than a year ago, three years ago. What advice would you give to that woman? So, um, PSA, this is tough love, take ownership always for where your marriage is and the part that you play in your marriage. It is so easy to say it's his fault mm. or it's her fault. But one thing that I've come to learn is that if my marriage is in shambles, I cannot do anything to change you. I can only change me. Wow. So... While we might feel righteous and like we're perfect in our marriage, well, he did that. He cheated. I, He's the one that cheated. I don't need to fix anything. No. Yes, you do. So I would say take radical ownership for where you are. Um, pick up a book. That's the word there. Radical ownership. <laughs> radical ownership. Yeah. Um, and radical ownership is I really don't <clears throat> feel like I'm the problem, but you're owning it anyway. Always yes, own it. Exactly. So pick up a book. Pick up a podcast. Hire a coach underline that one hire a coach that's one of the best things you could do for yourself and your marriage and shameless plug isa rooney <laughs> shout out isa rooney yeah great my, coach my coach is amazing um hire a coach and get better yourself because i do believe that you are you attract what you are mm. so get better and you will have better and you right. might be saying, well, just you don't understand my husband this. It doesn't matter. You're never going to change them. So you need to do what you can to get better. And um, in the Bible, because like John said, multiple times throughout this podcast, we are faith-based. And that is where we, that's how we base our marriage. That's our, that's our foundational belief. The Bible says for women to win their husbands over 
with their referent behavior. So if your husband is not going to step in line and do the things that you want him to do, win him over with your behavior. Be so impressive to him that he looks at you and he wants to change. He wants to shift. Yeah. And the only person, like I said, that you can change is you. So women change you because you'll go nuts trying to change him. That's good. And like you said, radical ownership. And, you know, I, I do believe, like you say, you can't change people. Um, the most you can do is influence them, yep. right? And the best way to influence someone is with your own behavior, your own action, with how you show up in life. You know, I know um, you influence me because one thing that you're phenomenal at is you're a great reader. I always see you reading books on marriage, reading books on being a great parent. And that inspires me. And that also, in a way, motivates me to be like, I don't want to be the one in the relationship who <laughs> is like... Stagnant. Stagnant, right? <laughs> so it also motivates me to... Like, for example, um, today I committed to a pretty crazy fitness goal. And I haven't told you this, but a lot of that was inspired by my wife because I literally saw my wife. So Josie just gave birth to our son six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. And uh, I saw her throughout the whole nine months of pregnancy, still put her fitness first. She still was working out, nine months pregnant. She was still working out, you know? And then I saw her the moment she was able to do anything physical, anything, it was even if it was just the bands, she already was doing it. And while she's breastfeeding, while she's so while she's learning uh, while she's going through the, the the challenges of breastfeeding while she's going through the the challenges of you C-section. know a newborn C- oh C section <laughs> right and I looked inward and I was like uh, this is not negative talk towards me but I'm like John you're uh, you know POS in a way like here you are complaining about you don't like how you look but your wife is doing the work while she's going through some pretty radical challenges. Again, C-section, newborn, breastfeeding, sleeping, you know, like in two hour intervals uh, intervals because our son's getting up and, and she's the only one that can feed him at least the first few weeks when she was breastfeeding. And she still is finding the time to work out and do it. And I'm like, and you can't. So today I made a, a crazy declaration in a sense of, um, really changing my physical appearance. And a lot of that was inspired because of you, because I would see you and it put this mirror on me, right? And you didn't change me. I came to that conclusion on my own, but you influenced it, right? So that's a great example of your right. You know, like if you want your husband or your wife to be in better shape, great, you lead by example. And it's it's not gonna happen overnight, right? Like for you, you've been working out consistently for months, so it wasn't like you did it for a week or two and then all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to do it. No, it's just I saw it over and I, I'm like, I don't want to be the out of shape one in the relationship. <laughs> I want my wife to be. <laughs> no, not at all. Just I don't want kidding. either one of us to be right. I, but it's true. It's like, I don't want to be the guy that like has a banging wife with a banging body, but like I'm the out of shape one. No, like that's, I don't want to be that guy. I just don't. Right. And then it can go the same way with like, I don't want to be the one who like my wife is personal developing, but like, I'm still playing video games. So, I mean, what you said is so true and, and, and it's true. You, you didn't like in this whole fitness thing, you have not once made me feel like I'm not good enough or that I need to change. You loved me for where I'm at. Of course you challenged me. Right. But you changed, you worked on you. And then a byproduct of that was it inspired me. And then I came to that conclusion on my own accord, because you're right. You, you know, you influenced me. You didn't say, John, you got to go to the gym now. Like, no, your, your actions, your behaviors, your ways of thinking, how you showed up influence kind of where I'm at now. So you're going to agree with the statement of just get better and everything around you. 1% better. Yeah. Become, I mean, that's a simple practical thing. It's just get a little bit better in your relationship. And you said something really good. You said it's a mirror that I was, and that's, Another thing that I've realized in marriage is it's literally like holding a mirror up. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so hard. Marriage it can be so hard. It is so hard, not can be, is because what we don't like in our spouse, we really don't like in us. Wow. And that's radical ownership right there. I don't like the me that I see in you. That's what we say in the coaching world. I don't like the me that I see in you. So if there is something you don't like about your spouse, guess what? It's in you. Yeah. There's a reason it upsets you. There's a reason why you're so triggered by it. And so if you can just really learn that marriage and 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 learn that marriage is going to be 
the greatest thing to sharpen you. It can either tear you down or it can sharpen yeah. you and make you like John, when people look at us 10 years from now, we're literally not going to be the yeah. same because we're just going to get better and better and better and better. And it's because of marriage. Yeah. Cause marriage, you know, a way I would look at it too, is it puts a magnifying glass on who you really are. Yeah. You can't hide behind. You can't hide. Yeah. I live with her. I can't, if, if I'm, if yeah. I, if on, <laughs> if, if online I look like I'm doing X, Y, and Z, but then I'm sleeping in until 12 o'clock, she'll know, <laughs> you know, she'll know, she'll, she'll see this version that I'm pretending to be and this version that I really am. And it's going to create friction. So where I, I could have done that in our single days, or right? I could have pretended to be somebody I'm not. But marriage magnifies who you are. And if you're somebody who already, who really is a hardworking individual, who's generous, who's kind, cool. It'll be magnified marriage. But if you are someone who's lazy, who doesn't do personal development, whatever, all that will be magnified, you know? And it's up to you whether you let that magnification grow you or you let it tear you down. And I need to be okay with Josie seeing my weakest sides you know, and having a mindset of she is challenging me. She's not criticizing me. That's she's, a big one, ladies. Don't be nagging. What does that mean? Don't be nagging. Don't be nagging your man. Like you said, like the man is very fragile. It is the woman's place to love him. And um, like you said, I, the all out of the months of working out, like, of course I want you to work out with me. Of course I want, but that's not my place. It's not my place to nag you. It's not my place to, it's my place to love you where you are and challenge you to get where I want you to go yeah. or where you should go. Right. That's great. I mean, uh, you know, we're going to wrap up here. Um, we talked about a lot of things and I mean, I know you and I, we can talk all day about, uh, marriage related stuff. And, uh, I know we'll probably do another one like this. Um, but definitely follow my wife if you're <laughs> not already following her she's on instagram at josie lynn j-o-z-i-l-i-n-n um she posts a lot of great stuff about marriage as well and 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 motherhood i mean we could even we'd even talk a lot at, at all about parents uh being parents um but she'll post a lot about um stuff there too yeah and i would also like to say that if anyone listening has any questions to send us a dm because we might tackle some questions yeah. on our next podcast. Of course, yeah. You know, we don't pretend to know it all. You know, this is just our way. And we're in this journey. I don't think you ever hit a point in any years of your life where you're like, cool, I made it. But if we can share some of our wins, if we can share our current, you know, we don't want to wait till we're married 15 years to really start talking on it. We believe that, hey, we're, we're qualified for where we're at now, you know, and we're on this journey together, but we want to at least help uh, maybe the newlyweds or people who want to get married or, hey, if we if you've been married 15, 20 years and you got some value, then that's awesome, you know, and uh, we, we really are passionate. We, you know, uh, this shirt is sponsored by, I'm sorry, this podcast episode <laughs> is sponsored by Awaken Church, the future's family. That's why we're both wearing it uh, because we really do believe that the future is family and to have a good family, right, you need a strong uh, mother role and a strong father role, right? And and in that, the husband needs to know his duties and the wife needs to know her duties. And, and So that we can raise up a generation. Yes, because uh, I think um, President Reagan said this. He said, we're always one generation away from destruction. That's good. And we do believe that the family component is the most centerpiece part of our society. And that if you take that away, the society crumbles, right? We have no more morality. We have no more sense of direction. And, uh, you know, the truth is all of us came in here through a woman, right? Every single one of us, all of us were raised by a woman and uh, hopefully a father as well. Um, and we want to empower people and just show, give people the tools, I should say, to have a very thriving marriage. So Good. any closing thoughts, my love? No, that's it. It's great. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of You Can Do Hard Things. And we will catch you very soon. Yeah, later.